Hi everyone and welcome to episode 72 of The Sweet Spot on a Farm. If you never listened to this podcast before, it's all about health and food. And because there are many professionals out there who know an awful lot more about it than I do, the point of this podcast is for me to learn from those who know their stuff. And I'm looking for answers to how we can achieve healthy body and mind with the resources that are available to us locally and what we can do to improve our health and what and how we eat to support it. My guests come from various backgrounds and they're professionals in their field and they all have a lot of valuable information to share. We talk about their work, their passions and their lifestyles and we share cooking tips and plant-based recipes we can all easily make at home. Um, as most of my guests are busy during the summertime, it's a good time to take a bit of a summer break, which I did, um, to work through my college assignments, catch up on reading, the garden, and do a bit of much-needed traveling, and um, visiting family. And uh, during the break, I managed to pass my foundation year of herbal medicine studies, so that is being done and dusted, and now the podcast is back. Um, on the flip side, um, this also means that from September, I'm progressing to a professional herbal medicine level six course, which means the frequency of the podcasts um, is just anyone's guess, basically. Um, however, it will likely be a lot more garden and herbs related, but let's see what happens. Talking about garden, um, the good news is that the podcast is back and we're on a farm. Um, and I'm talking to one half of the couple team behind the Glenside Farm in Countdown, Malini. Hi, Hi, Malini. Hi. <laughs> oh, well done with all your studying as well. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Oh, well thank done. you so much. Um, Malini, welcome to the podcast and thank you so much for um, inviting me over and uh, agreeing to have a chat with me about your um, absolutely amazing social enterprise farm. Um, now, before we get into the whole social enterprise and what that means, tell me a little bit about you and Ian, because this is something I find incredibly interesting. Uh, while Ian has a bit of a farming background, uh, you are a proper city girl and this must have been a proper shock to the system. So tell me about the two of you and tell me about you and how you managed to adapt to the farm life. Yeah, yeah, well, incredible, isn't it? Um, so, Ian and I have been married for over 30 years, 33 years, I think. Um, we met at university and we lived in England. Um, we both lived, we've moved around a couple of times around England, but prior to coming to Northern Ireland, we lived in Bishop Stortford, which is just outside of London, near Stansted Airport. Um, and we both worked in London. So there is a bit of a contrast coming to a farm. Um, my husband, Ian, is from a farming background, as you said. His fa father is a sheep farmer in um, Newton Arts. And um, we came back seven years ago. Um, we have three children. One of them stayed in England and two came back with us. And um, before we came back in 2015, Ian decided he'd buy some Aberdeen Angus cows. So we were living in England and the cows were in a field with his dad looking after them. Um, and so we moved back 
and we've ended up farming. So for me, it's a complete change of life. It's something I've never done before. Obviously, I've always been on the farm when I came over to visit. I would be there and I enjoyed it. I'd have my lovely hunter's wellies that looked really nice and um, I'd be on the farm just doing a little bit of mucking out or seeing the animals and the sheep and the hens Um, but to actually have our own farm in Cumber and the day-to-day work of that has been a real change for us Um, and it's got it is absolutely beautiful but it is hard work and there's a lot in it that I think when people look from the outside in don't probably see. Yeah, yeah, I um, I completely understand that because um, I've been talking to quite a few farmers and I've been learning and I've been volunteering with Berwick for the past um, season, and uh, I mean it is such a hard work and people really don't see that and it's very. I think it's because we are so disconnected with, uh, we buy food in supermarkets and we are so disconnected with the nature and with where the food comes from that we don't realize how much work the farmer had to put in to put the food into the packets to get it into supermarkets and how undervalued that is. I don't really know how anybody thinks that uh, broccoli is worth 40p. You know, it's it just isn't. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it is really, really hard work. But at the same time, it can be really rewarding. And I know you work with animals. Um, so how did you feel about, you know, leaving the city life behind and completely immersing yourself in this farm world and um how is your relationship with the animals i mean what were the beginnings like what is it what is it like now yeah really good question i think to begin with i think it was a big adjustment um because with farming it is every day and it's it's relentless in a way and i think you know, when you're working nine to five and you've got your weekends and you think, actually, we can go on holiday when we want to. And I'm a teacher by background, so we would have, you know, gone on holiday in the summer holidays, maybe at Easter, half term, we would have taken a break. But when you've got animals, you haven't got that luxury. But then you don't need that either. You need some changes in your rhythm. But actually, you're in beautiful countryside every single day. You're not commuting on a train into London with all the hustle and bustle. So in some ways, you've got space in your day as well. And I think that's what I've enjoyed. Um, We don't live on the farm. We will do in hopefully a year's time. Um, And I think that's been quite difficult because we're travelling to the farm and And when we first moved over, um, where our animals were, um, we didn't have handling facilities, we didn't have um, anywhere if they were poorly, etc. And I think all of that was just hard, hard, hard. But I think now we're in Cumber, we've got Glenside Farm, um, we know this is where we're going to be and we're building for that. Um, and it's it's just been so much easier we've got the right facilities we're able to put animals in the right places and the right field we're able to move them around um, and it just works um, and and there's such beauty I mean we're looking out at the moment aren't we 
<laughs> at the rams across the yard and um, they're all peacefully sitting they might bleat in a minute but at the moment they're okay um and i think when they're content you as a farmer you're also content but i think when things go wrong or if um, they're poorly or um you know you're struggling to to sort them out maybe during birth if something goes wrong um that is when it's just really hard because they're livestock so you feel it it's you know you feel what they're going through if they're not well or if they're not um you know uh if they need certain you know uh, medicine or um yeah just thinking about it I'm just thinking of a couple of occasions where you know things haven't gone well we and we've um just struggled and I know Ian would come home after he's looked after the animal and just feel sad really sad when things don't go well um but when you're on a day like this and you're looking out at um, the drumlins of County Down um and you're sitting here it's beautiful so it's that contrast isn't it because you're working with livestock you're not you know it's like working with humans really in that there are good days there are not so good days but I'm loving it now because I feel this is our space and this is our home and so I know we can invest in the space we've got and therefore we can now build from here but it's taken this is our seventh year so I would say it's only maybe the last 18 months that we've felt that, really. So, yeah. It's, uh, it's uh, really nice the way you're kind of describing the relationship with the animals because it's like, and people who own pets will probably yes. understand that they yes. know that, that there is this kind of almost like an energy exchange between the humans and the animals that you keep around that you really do kind of feel. It, it's like a two-way thing that they can feel when you're sad and you can feel that they're sad and they can feel when you're happy and you can feel when they're happy so it's it's really like it is like interacting with humans you can you can sense and they can mm. sense um it's it's really nice and i think that you <laughs> i keep i'm looking at your goat and she just she keeps staring at me i think she hates me <laughs> and you've she, named her this afternoon <laughs> yes well. i did I, I i don't know whether it's the right name but she looks like betsy and maybe she hates the name I gave, i've given her and now she's just staring me out <laughs> you guys came back here to breed cattle and you have sheep and then all of a sudden it's turning into into social enterprise so mm. tell mm. me about that how how did that happen from sort of a business farm to something that actually mm. is going to really benefit the community yeah so um so as you say we we breed um pedigree aberdeen angus um our herd name is glen cowie pedigree angus and blue texel sheep But when we moved to this site, which was 2020, just after lockdown, um, we were tidying it up, we were um, reseeding the ground, we were, it's a split site, so we're on Grancher Close, and then the cows are on Glen Road. So it's a split site farm for Glenside Farm. And it was lockdown, and we've just found people saying, you couldn't go into each other's houses, could you? And people kept saying to us, oh, can we come up to the farm? 
And so friends would come up and we used to have a caravan just around the corner and we'd make them a cup of tea and we'd just sit with deck chairs <laughs> on the yard and um, have our distance between us and just chat. And then we had friends who had, um, we have a particular friend who whose daughter was um, homeschooling. She was homeschooling her and just for a change of scenery, because it was hard in those days, wasn't it? You just did the same every single day. So she just said, can I bring her up to the farm? And I said, yes, bring her, bring her up. And so she came up and she helped Ian and they were putting the um, straw down and getting some silage and her face was beaming. And we just thought, and, and we kept also hearing things on things, programmes like Country File, where people kept talking about mental health and well-being during lockdown and that rural spaces were really important for that. And we thought, you know, there's something here that we could be offering. Um, wonder how we go about it. And we knew we couldn't probably do it down by Glen Road because the cows are Aberdeen Angus, which are big, big black cows, are beautiful cows, especially against the green grass, and they look fabulous. But we knew we this site on Grancher Close was a bit more compact. The animals are sheep, goats, hens, and we just thought there's something here that we could be doing. So at the time, we heard about a community farming course, and it was all on Zoom. So my husband, um, as busy as he is, he's got another job that he does in London. He's a lawyer. So farming, lawyer, Zoom just worked for us. And we did this community farming course um, with other people from across Northern Ireland. And the cooperative were putting it on. And we just learned what it meant to be a community farm. And then I decided to um, just learn a bit further. So I went on a couple of courses with Ards and Down Council. Um, I did the Go For It programme, which helped me sort of um, establish a business plan. And we just started dreaming and thinking, what can we do? And we knew, we signed up as a social farm as well with Rural um, Network and support and Social farms are whereby somebody comes onto the farm and works alongside the farmer. So it might be somebody with a disability, it might be somebody with um, mental health needs. Um, And we thought we can do that as well alongside it. But we knew we wanted to do more. We wanted to do more than just social farming. So we became a social enterprise. Um, And also that governance, accountability was all really important for us because we're just farmers and so why should somebody come onto our farm and not onto another farm? So having some um, real clear governance, and we, we worked through all that. So um, we've started having people come on to the farm since about January. I did a workshop in this room. Um, this room that we're sitting in um, is a room for when it's cold and wet <laughs> for people to have cups of tea. And um, I tested the space out by doing a wreath-making workshop with some friends in at Christmas. And that was the first thing we did. And that was the first time we had the log fire going. And um, it was just friends of mine. And we just all made a wreath um, just before Christmas. And then from that, we've just done one or two things. And we're learning, I suppose. it's not We're not where we would like to be. But we know that the, the space is... Um, just great for people to come on to and we just feel that as people come on and they experience the farming they experience the nature they experience community 
that it's going to be good for their well-being, for their health. And so for us, it's about giving access to that space. Um, and, and it's just been lovely. We've, we had an open day last week. We had some families um, yesterday here who adopt and foster. And just seeing the space full and, and people walking on, seeing the fields, um, it just helps them to breathe. And it just feels like... I can breathe. And so I think for us, that's what we're aiming for. And so Glenside Farm is um, wanting to be a community on a working farm and for the well-being of all. And we want to see people engaging with farming, with nature, with community for their well-being, really. So that's why we ended up going down this road. And it's been beautiful. We've met some lovely people. We were talking earlier, weren't we, how these things connect you with different people. And we've connected with maybe community farms across Northern Ireland that we wouldn't have probably even have heard of before. Um, and we're just meeting people who are doing similar to us, maybe slightly different. Um, we're very much about the livestock at the moment and um, others may be more horticultural um, Others are more, um, you know, horses and therapeutic um, nature of working with horses. So it's just beautiful, really beautiful to be part of that. I really love also how these type of organic farms and sort of alternative and community and social farms, how they're so willing to help each other out Mm. that there is no such, Mm. you know, in business you'd be, competitors mm-hmm. whereas in this sort of community in this network everybody's helping each other yeah. and everybody's so willing and open to help each other yeah. be it advice being be it a physical help on a farm or providing connections or yeah. people are just so willing to see yeah the other farm succeed it's incredible Uh, yeah and I I would echo that a hundred percent I remember saying that to somebody that actually it's not a competitive area it is where you're all working because you're working for the well-being of society that actually your goal is not you and it's not about you it's about those that you're trying to serve and so when it's about the well-being of families or um, people who, who need space because of mental health or um, people who've got learning difficulties, then your goal is a little bit different, isn't it? And therefore, actually, we want to cheer each other on and we want to ensure that those who need the services get the services. Um, and, and, you know, we've seen, you know, we've got a, a lady who connected with me recently on Facebook and she um, just, I don't know her, but she just said her son has had a couple of years of not being well. Um, could he come and volunteer two hours or so a week? Um, so he's going to start next week. And, and you think, actually, that is about him getting space to get better. It's not about us gaining anything from that, other than, actually, we will love having him here. And, and that's a blessing for us as well. So, yeah. It, it is amazing and I think there is a lot of space um, to engage with communities that way in actually in, on any farm uh, be it market gardens being organic farms being um, um, literally just um, vegetable um, farms or being a big you know farms and um, animal farms 
um, it's the benefit is mutual mm. because the farmers they have um, somebody to connect with they have somebody to help out and uh, the person helping out gains the benefit of being out in the open air and um, engaging with nature and learning as well mm. and you know meeting other people and um, connecting and um, improving their well-being and it's it's not just mental health it's physical health as well because yeah. being out on fresh air is just beautiful i mean i probably talk differently when when you're out in a farm you know and it's bucketing yeah. down <laughs> yeah and it's After freezing a month's time it's freezing cold <laughs> and yeah and you, and you have to but you know what actually even after that i've had days like that when i volunteered and uh, you know it, it just feel great i mean it is hard work but mm. it, it is it's definitely mutually beneficial and it's um it builds communities but i also think it really improves people's understanding or of where our food comes from and um how we should build a relationship with nature for improving our relationship with everybody else you know it's not just it's not just about going out helping and um feeling better for it it's it really connects with everything else it's mm-hmm. it um, improves i think it really improves your life when you connect with people with animals and with the nature on that way and and also think i was just thinking of the farmer as well because often farmers are working on their own and it can be quite lonely uh, the level of suicide amongst farmers is really high and so even opening your farm and having other people on it it's good for us it's good for us to be connecting with people you know that there's that mutual benefit I was just thinking that as she was speaking yeah yeah no no definitely I I can imagine especially if it's just if it's a small family or if it's an individual or a couple like yourselves I can totally see how it can get lonely Mm. when it's just Mm. one person and you're because your site is so big even when two oh you're out there working you're probably miles away from each (laughs) other so you're kind of yeah, I can I can see how lonely it can get, and and I guess um, when you're working with animals as well, it's it's probably nice for the animals as well to have more people caring mm-hmm. for them and get the attention <laughs> they need. I can totally see how your yeah. rams might benefit from some cuddles yeah. from the kids that come yeah. around. Well, to yesterday they you. all had a bit of food on their hands and they were feeding the rams, so <laughs> they're they're well fed. <laughs> They certainly yeah. look very happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tell me about you personally. You know, what's did living with animals and caring for animals? What did mm. that bring to you personally? Mm. And um, how did you guys experience? Did you experience at all? Did you feel the isolation from the rest of the world during during the lockdown lockdowns or? Did you not feel it as much because of where you are and mm. because mm. of the animals you have to care for? What was that experience like for you? Yeah, so we could come to the farm every day, you know, during lockdown. And I remember one day my husband was driving um, and the police stopped him and said, where are you going? Because obviously you weren't meant to be going anywhere in your car. And he said, oh, I'm going up because the sheep are lambing and um, I need to go and look after them. But if you'd like to come with me, you can. 
and they said no go off you go off you go um so we were able to be in this space every day which you know it was a real luxury in a way for for many people that wasn't the case which is why we opened it up to friends at the time um and I think for me um just looking even beyond lockdown I think lockdown has helped all of us appreciate nature more I think because we were going for our walks weren't we and whether that's in a town park or a river or you know wherever we were going it was just good to get out and I think for me personally it's probably when I started connecting further with the farm because because we don't live on the farm it's easy for me not to come up if I don't want to or I can't because I'm busy and I had I, I was working as well um which I'm not now because I'm developing the social enterprise. Um, but it, So my time was limited. But I think during lockdown, I, I intentionally came up because I knew it was good to be here. And for me, there's a couple of things that I just love. I think just looking out at the fields in itself, I just love. You know, make yourself a cup of tea, sit on a chair and just look out. And I think for me, it just gives space to just... Um, just to be really not to have any agenda or any you know I haven't got to do the hoovering I haven't got to do anything I've just got to sit and I think that's a real luxury and you can do that in a space like this and then I think with the animals I think what I'm learning and I am really only just learning and you probably need to speak to Ian for for understanding it more but you learn that animals need um, routine and I think that's good for you as well, that, you know, they do need to be fed in the morning. They do need to be fed in the evening. Um, there are cycles where, you know, they're going to be lambing or they're going to be calving. Um, we show at Balmoral Show. And so during that season, just beforehand, we're getting ready with the animals to go to Balmoral. All those things give a little bit of... Um, you start to learn about seasons, I think, and just rhythms that nature gives us naturally that maybe in a way we lose when we're busy in our towns and cities and busy with our jobs, which is not a negative because we all have to work. But I think if if you have space to be able to explore some of those rhythms, whatever that looks like, it could be just walking down a path and seeing the seasons change with the trees. I just think it's a real blessing to be able to do that. And I think I'm learning that with the animals. You know, I've got a big chart at home, um, uh, like a year planner, and Ian's putting down when lambing's going to be and when carving's going to be. And and I'm learning when silage gets um, made and, you know, when you start, the sun comes out, you know, this week it's going to be sunny. And so all the farmers want to get the grass cut, ready for the winter. And I'm learning that, but I wouldn't have known that prior to all this at all because that's not my background. Um, but I love it. I love seeing those rhythms. And I think um, if you can lean into those rhythms, I think I probably was... When we first arrived, if I'm really honest, I think we were, I was probably unable to put those rhythms into my life because my life was very structured with work and so it was, you know, working in the week, etc. Um, but now I've given myself a bit of space. Learning to lean into those rhythms is just really helpful for my well-being, and and helping me to maybe intentionally slow down and not feel like I've got to rush, rush, rush. 
I am a doer, so I I would I do go from one thing to another, um, but I'm learning that actually it's okay to sit sometimes, or it's okay to just you know potter in the yard or um, go over to the hens and feed them or whatever. And I'm learning that, so that's that's been good for me. I think that this sort of work is really good for anybody, and exactly for the reason that you just said to learn the rhythm because you're learning the rhythm of the nature and that's the rhythm we all should have in our lives because that's where we come from and I think in modern society we completely forgotten all about that I mean if you look at the way we eat we eat strawberries and citrus fruits in the winter I mean that's not even food that I mean you wouldn't grow citrus fruits here to begin with strawberries are obviously mm-hmm. summer crop yes we eat it all year round because we can because it's available in the supermarket but it's not living in tune with the nature we don't eat seasonally we don't live seasonally we uh, i mean i'm a, one of those people who work night shifts which is completely out of tune with the nature you're not meant to mm-hmm. be up all night working you're meant to be sleeping um so learning whether you're have an animal farm looking after the animals or whether you're growing food it really teaches you to live more in tune with nature and you learn the rhythm of the animals and the rhythm of the plants and the rhythm of the whole nature around Mm -hmm. you and suddenly you realize that the way we live we are completely out of whack with where we come from Mm. and it forces you to slow down doesn't it even planting i mean we're not planting at present but to see a plant grow it's not it's not going to happen in a day so you've got to have a little bit of patience there as well which i think is good for us and it's one thing i never had no and it's such it's really a hard thing to learn but like mm. planting growing food it really teaches you patience mm. I mean mm. this is my first year gardening and I mean I've volunteered before so I know how long everything takes but if you go to a farm somewhere once a week you see a huge progress because right. in a week's time loads of things happen but if you look at it every day you know I'm the kind of person who would be standing staring out of the window into <laughs> the garden and you know grow 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 why is it not big red why does it not grow it you only planted it yesterday yeah. <laughs> you know, just yeah, yeah. so impatient and when you're growing things it really teaches you yeah to be patient yeah. and to learn that yeah it takes some time yeah yeah definitely (laughs) and that bit you know when we're lambing you know the lamb's going to come but you don't know when it's going to come so you know you've got to be there and you've got to be ready but there is a patience in that isn't there and um yeah yeah it is incredible but i'm still learning all that if i'm honest (laughs) it's a great Uh, thing to learn I mean, I completely with you with the do 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 and learning that it's okay to mm. to rest. I mean, I've I've been trying to learn that for the past couple of years. But actually, when you're really growing something or looking after something, it really teaches you. Mm. It is kind of okay mm. to just sit for a while and observe and mm. and enjoy the sunshine when it's there and mm. just be in the moment rather than constantly think about what needs done next what needs done next but but i would say (laughs) as i'm thinking about it i'm thinking that is me who's not the farmer (laughs) (laughs) 
um, because my husband probably is still running around doing 101 things because um, as a farmer you probably have got a list as long as your arm of all the things that need doing on the farm whereas I, I'm coming alongside him so I've probably got a bit more luxury to, to, <laughs> to do that it's okay to have that kind of luxury maybe he should take a leaf out yeah. of your book yeah absolutely absolutely <laughs> Um, Malini, so how does the social aspect of the farm um, going to be working now? I know you've been applying for a few things and you've been applying for grants and you've been kind of trying to get into the swing of things. So um, who can come in? Um, What way does it work? How can they get in touch? How can they apply? When is the farm open and what can the visitors expect? Yeah, no, really good questions. I think we're still learning all of that. Um, So we've done a lot of things where it's been through connections and, you know, just piloting things. So we we had a women's group come from Belfast, um, Syrian refugee women who came over and it was beautiful because a lot of them would come from farming background and one of them had sheep in Syria. And so she looked out at the fields and said, that's what Syria looked like um, before the war. And so we've had groups like that. Where we're going going forward, and and we still need to put a bit of flesh on this, is we're going to to start um, having like open days. And so they'll be advertised on our website, which is glensidefarm.com. And that's for families to come. Um, We're looking for funding still for... We'd like to have a little... um, natural place space you know with bark etc for children just a small area um so when some of that is in place we can invite families um we also are starting to get people say can i volunteer which is absolutely brilliant and we want to do that but we need to put structure on that otherwise we could be doing it every day and we're not a big farm and so in that sense you know we need to be sure that there's things for people to do so I think we're going to look at well I know we're going to be um, putting in maybe like a volunteer day where people can sign up on the website and then come and join us um, for the morning and and really we want to be about community as well so although they're helping and they're here we want them to feel part of Glenside Farm so this room and this table will be a space for you know your tea and coffee and maybe a lunch together at the end that sort of idea um, because we want people to feel this is a safe space for them to be in um, and community is really important to us um, as we went down this route um, our background is very strong in that area and we just knew that that was something the DNA of what we wanted was that we wanted it we know it's a working farm we know it's good for your health and well-being but another con- another part of that is when people connect it's good for their health and well-being so community is really good so we'll be putting those into the diary um, and then onto our website onto our social media um, we're on Facebook and on Twitter and on Instagram. So, you know, go to Glenside Farm and you'll find that information. But but we also get, you know, somebody will say, oh, um, I'd love to come and see the farm. If we can facilitate it, we do at the moment because we're learning and we don't really want to say no to anybody at the moment. And that's not sustainable long term. But it's okay at the moment because it's new and we're learning. Um, so, you know, we've had people come just as ones or as families 
and and that's been lovely for us as well um and it's an opportunity for us to get to know our community here in Cumber as well um we had an open day two weeks ago where we invited neighbors friends family um and you know we had 160 people we've never done that on this farm so now we know we can do something like that if we did something in the future um and so it's working some of that out um and interestingly we had probably about 30 people just from this area uh who are farmers or you know part of the community literally walking distance from us and you think to yourself even for them to have community and access was really important so there's lots where sort of sitting down with our um, board of directors and working through, um, but keep looking on Facebook and web pages and, and there'll be things coming up. And we're thinking over Christmas, we'd love to do like a couple of things over Christmas, which allows the community to be on this space. So we're looking at something for families, something for everybody, um, and then maybe something more like workshop like the wreath waking or something like that that'll just be a smaller cohort um so i'm planning that at the moment as well there's loads to be looking forward and i know you mentioned that currently don't for example grow any vegetables but you're kind of looking ahead into the future something you guys would want to do there is so much that uh, will be hopefully happening in the the future we'd love a polytunnel right at the bottom by the river um, right at the bottom of the fields is the River Grancher and we'd love to put a polytunnel just there and we've been talking about what would we grow and we'd like some of our um, so we've had quite a few refugees and asylum seeking people come onto the farm and we'd love to try and explore what are some of the things they would love to eat um, and then grow some of those and my husband went to a chilli farm many many years ago and he kept saying to me I want to grow chilies so. <laughs> So I think chilies will be featuring in there. <laughs> Very good. Or well, yeah, you need a proper polytunnel or a greenhouse for those. I've I've been trying chilies this year. Oh. It's the first time I sowed them too late. They're only flowering now, and I got excited when I saw the flowers, thinking we might have some chilies, and then I realized. The days are going to be too short. We're probably not oh. going to have any chilies. See, <laughs> oh. so it's all that learning, isn't it? And I had to, I tried them in a grow house and it was still too cold. So I had to bring them inside the house and only then they started to flower. Right, right. So it's a learning curve, Molly. Yeah, it's a learning it curve. It is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we've got all that to come. So but that's a great thing to learn. I mean, it's a, it's a, I think there are many great lessons in failures. <laughs> That's what I keep telling myself. <laughs> Every day is a school day. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Malini, surrounded by all those animals, um, have you got a favorite type of animal? Oh. And all of those animals that you have on the farm, have you got a particular favorite one? Oh, what a good question. So... I I might just give a bit of context to this because I think when anybody comes onto the farm, they love the goat. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So Betsy's up there. But I think for me, um, just a really magnificent um, animal is our stock bull. Um, It's it's one at Balmoral. um, His name is... um, I'm going to just make sure I get it right. Stoop Hill Elijah is his name. Really grand name. And he weighs over a ton. Oh, wow. And he's down at Glen Road and he's a big, big animal. 
but people have loved meeting him. You can't when he's in the field, obviously it's too dangerous. But in the winter, he's in the pen. And so some of our friends have come and they just love him. And I think what I've, he's just magnificent. So I think for me, at the moment, that is probably the per- the one that I would choose as. Um, you need to come up with come up with a nickname. That name, <laughs> you wouldn't do, Pill Elijah. You wouldn't you wouldn't remember it. Or, yeah. That's just <laughs> way too long. He needs a nickname. <laughs> so interestingly, here's a little fact for you. So when the calves are born, um, and they have to be named, if their mummy is called, their um, say her name is starts with an S then the calf is with an S as well. Oh, okay. And so Ian will come home and say, right, I need a name with M or I need a name with D and we start dreaming of names. And this year he's choosing all his names of the calves that are born to do with um, music. So um, we, we did put one of them on Instagram and asked any names. It was a B, I think, and we had loads and loads of names. So we chose one of them. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. So are you going to have a little Bono running around the field? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No, it wasn't Bono. <laughs> uh, that's so cool. I didn't know that. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yes, that's lovely. Very nice. Um, and what about vegetables? Since you're going to be maybe growing vegetables yeah. in the future, have you got a favorite one that you would like to grow or you would like to eat? I think my favorite to eat... I think it's probably cauliflower, if I'm honest, only because I think it's so versatile and you can do so much with it. And um, over lockdown, I started making a beautiful cauliflower soup with cheese. Oh, and it's just beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) So I think cauliflower is my favourite vegetable. But interestingly, I grew up... um, my, My... background my heritage is Indian and my mum and dad come from a um, state in India called Gujarat and Gujarat is um, all vegetarian so I grew up on vegetables and I think if I'm honest when you go to school you sort of kick against it a bit and you start wanting you know your beef burger or your fish finger or whatever (laughs) but now I'm older I absolutely love the food and I think I think it's like um, and I'm not very good at cooking it because I wasn't interested in learning at the time but when I go and see my mum in London like it's all vegetarian so it's beautiful absolutely beautiful um, and I think I, I almost missed out because I think you wanted to fit in when you were little and you wanted to eat what everybody else was eating but actually with the spices and the herbs and everything, it's just gorgeous, the you know, the Indian vegetarian food. Do you know, yeah. I absolutely love the Indian cuisine. Do I you? absolutely love it. I, I, I am a massive fan of curries and everything else. I just love, and I'm not sure whether people realise, but proper authentic Indian food is actually so healthy and it's yeah. so well balanced. Yeah. With the use of all those, those spices are just so beneficial yeah. to our health yeah 
not only they taste incredible when they're combined really well, but they are really beneficial mm. to our health. Mm. And I, I just love the smell and the taste of Indian food. It's just something that, it's not something I would have grown up with, mm. but I've come to appreciate it, especially in the last maybe 10, 15 years of my life when I learned what healthy food is and how to cook from scratch. And um, we, my partner and I, we absolutely love making curries from completely from scratch at home mm. and it's just something we really enjoy mm. and then it's so um you know it just makes you feel so good when you're eating it that you made this yeah. from scratch yeah. and it's you enjoy it and it tastes that much better because you made it mm. yeah definitely but cauliflower i am completely there with you i love cauliflower mm. cauliflower is, is it's one of those extremely underrated vegetables and if you spice it really well yeah. i mean oh if you roast and spice it, oh, beautiful. <laughs> There's so, and you are right, it's so versatile. There's so many things you mm. can do with it. I mean, soaps, roast it, use it, rice it, use it as yeah. a rice. Yeah. I mean, use it in stir fries, yeah. just steamed on its own. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. Isn't yeah, it? cauliflower yeah. with garlic. I and feel like herbs. I need to go home and buy a cauliflower. <laughs> You know, I tried, I tried to, I don't know if you ever tried the, you know, the Romanesco cauliflower that yes. kind of is like half broccoli, half cauliflower. Yes. I absolutely love those and the season's over and I can't get it. Oh. I, I was absolutely gutted a couple of weeks ago when I tried to get it at an organic farm and they, no, it's, it's, it's done. It's no done. more. I nearly cried. It's like, yeah. I want one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, cauliflower was amazing. Um, and the, is cauliflower by any chance in the recipe that you prepared to share no, no cauliflower no it's not but you could put cauliflower you could probably sneak you it could. in couldn't you yeah you could <laughs> yeah so the recipe I was going to share with you was um, I suppose what I was thinking um, is I was looking at my mum's cuisine and I was thinking what is it she would make that if we went to London we would always want and um, there's a whole array of things she makes but there's one thing called um, eclidosa is what it's called. And it's like a pancake, which is made out of rice flour and black bean flour. And you, you bind those together with salt and water and then you make it as a really thin pancake. And then on the side, you make potato, onion, Put lots of spices in, chili, salt, garam masala, all that sort of stuff. So you could sneak in a cauliflower there, a bit of cauliflower. That goes inside the pancake. And then you make a lentil dal, which is slightly more, um, not thick, but a little bit more liquidy, um, which you make with tomatoes in it, um, put some spices in, chili, etc., and as it boils and um, becomes that dal, you then pour that over the pancake with some lovely yogurt. And do you know, it, it is to die for. We found one place in Northern Ireland that does it, but I think they closed during lockdown. But when we found it, we just kept going in Belfast because we just loved it. But it's really, it's very time consuming because there's so many components. But my husband goes to London often um, because he's a lawyer there. And he will stay with my mum. And whenever he stays with my mum, she always makes him eclidosa. <laughs> oh my God, and that sounds amazing. Absolutely beautiful. If we could have a Gujarati restaurant in Northern Ireland, 
that would be on the on the on the menu. I shouldn't have asked you for a recipe when I'm hungry. <laughs> it's just my mouth is watering. Just you talking about uh, it. And I think it's that delicateness of spices, but textures because you've got a pancake, you've got your um, vegetables, and then you've got your dal over it. So yeah, gorgeous. So have you got the full recipe to share? As in, I, I've got it in front of me, but I don't. I've if you go to somewhere like, am I allowed to use names here or not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> go for it, go for it. Nobody's going to sue. If you went to the um, international supermarket in Belfast, yeah, they would do the packets to make the um, the actual pancakes. Cause that, oh wow, okay. So it'll say Ecli Dosa, Dosa, D O S A, Dosa, and and then you would make almost like you would make a potato. Um, with all the spices in it mm-hmm. and you could put um onions well you do put onions in but you could put cauliflower in so then you would make that which you could get a recipe in terms of like um you know some of the restaurants would sell like a potato side dish it's almost like that so, and then you're making dal and but then you put the yogurt and with the yogurt um in an uh, in when people use yogurt in a in Indian cuisine, Gujarati cuisine, you always put a little bit of sugar in and a little bit of salt just to bring that flavour um, out of it. So you just eklidosa, eklidosa, or even dosa. And and there are some amazing restaurants in England that would sell it, but I know there's no Gujarati restaurants. There's not a big Gujarati community in in Northern Ireland. Well, there might be, but I haven't met people. So yeah, I have to look into I. A few years ago, I bought um, a curry, book, big curry recipe book from with curry recipes from all around the world. Oh, um, for my partner, um, and we've been making loads of dishes from that book. I have to look if there's something like that in it. Yeah, <laughs> and if not. I bought, when I went to India many, many years ago, not recently, but many years ago, I bought a Gujarati cookery book, so it'll be in that, and I'll send you the recipe. Oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, my God. I definitely have to take time sometime, maybe this weekend, and try and make this. It sounds absolutely delicious. Yeah, yeah. really lovely. And again, just that healthiness of um, all the vegetables and things. Yeah, It's beautiful. a lovely recipe now, because um, coming to winter, obviously, yeah. it's kind of heartwarming food yes, that we've been looking for. It is. But, you know, if you've got eight people around a dinner table, because you're making the pancakes fresh as they're there, it's really time-consuming. You know, somebody's mm. doing them. It's not one of those dishes you have cooked in advance. And so my mum wouldn't do it very often, but yeah. but she always does it for Ian. <laughs> So he's a little bit spoiled. That's very nice of her. (laughs) Well, Melina, thank you so very much for this. Um, Thank you for coming on the podcast. Oh, lovely to have you. And uh, thank you so much for opening your farm to the public. No, and um, if people want to get in touch, just go on to glensidefarm.com or info at glensidefarm.com if they want to email. That'd be great. Amazing. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, so you for much, coming. Man. Thank you. <laughs> Lovely to meet you. Thank you. If you would like to visit Glenside Farm, you can contact Malini through social media or the Glenside Farm website. And uh, if you want to make Eclidosa, there are tons of recipes online. And I have to confess, I haven't had the time yet to make it. 
but it is on the list. And to make it easier, Malini suggested to buy dosa flour already mixed. So if you have an Asia supermarket near you, you can do just that. The recipes for serving the pancake vary greatly, but I will be trying Malini's suggestions of spiced potatoes with onions for the filling and a dal. Again, there are many recipes for dal out there. If you have a good Indian food cookbook, <clears throat> you will find probably more than one in there. Otherwise, the recipes in the online world are countless. And I always sneak some vegetables into dal, so here's the amazing opportunity to be a little creative and throw in some finely chopped cauliflower, perhaps. If you love Indian food as much as Molini and I do, and know of any Gujarat restaurant in Northern Ireland, please get in touch. It will be greatly appreciated. And if you know of any Gujarat communities, please do let us know as well. Also, remember that you can find all our previously shared recipes on our social media. The file section of our podcast group page is your best friend, where you can download these as PDFs. You can also grab a collection of recipes from the first 50 episodes in a single file as a cookbook for a small voluntary donation to Mind Your Mate and Yourself, which is a charity based in Newcastle County Down. Uh, this collection is available both via our Facebook page and on my mice own website. Instagram also has our podcast recipes. Just search through our podcast post if you're not on Facebook. The Sweet Spot cookbook is also still available. I'm actually going to be using it tonight to make rendang dish for dinner. There is something really awkward when you're using your own book to make something. Um, but... I'm not the only one. It's almost like we just write it for ourselves. So we have this nice collection that we can grab anytime. Um, I don't know if any of you who cook regularly, if you actually remember recipes from the top of your head, because I don't. I have a terrible memory when it comes to recipes. I always need to have them written down, hence the cookbook. <laughs> you should be able to purchase uh, that book via Amazon or you can message me for a copy and if you are based in or around Belfast you can still get a copy in E12 Foods on Lisbon Road. If you enjoyed this episode or any other please leave us a review or rating on whichever platform you use to listen to this podcast. It takes about 30 seconds honestly and it really helps other podcast listeners to find the right content for them and it also helps content makers like myself find the right kind of audience. And if you have any comments, suggestions, or have a guest in mind that you'd like to hear on the podcast, please drop me a line on social media or email at thesweetspod at gmail.com. Sadly, the frequency of the podcast will be very random because finding the time to fit it in with uh, full-time work and full-time study is quite challenging, but it is something that I thoroughly enjoy, so new podcast episodes will keep coming. Just keep checking in. For now, try to take a day out of your busy routine and spend it on an open farm near you. Pet and feed some animals, take the time to breathe in fresh air, um, stare into the fields, relax and just be. And above all, stay healthy. Until next time. A 
as every week, your host is myself, Susanna from The Sweet Spot. Music by Mark J. Adair and artwork by Gemma O'Hagan. Thank you for listening. Thank you.